Hey, hey, welcome to another installment of Too Much to Watch. I'm Sam Papard, and on today's show, I will be talking about Succession. Could it really have been anything else? As if you haven't heard enough about Succession already this week. Hey, I got to deliver what was promised on the previous episode. I said I would be offering a full reaction slash review slash recap of the final episode of the series finale with open eyes, and I'm going to do just that. Gut check on the episode. I felt times I laughed. I felt emotional at times, and I came away feeling rather womscamsed at the end. Before I do get into that, a little bit of housekeeping. I know that I said I would offer a review of the Barry finale as well, but I have too many thoughts on Succession itself that I feel like it should cover just one episode. So this is kind of the Succession megapod, so to speak. And on the next episode, I'll dive into Barry and its series finale, which I thought was good. A little bit of polarizing though. All right, with that out of the way, I just want to get straight into it. One more note before I kick this off. There will be spoilers here. Warning for spoilers. I'm going to spoil the entire series and the finale. So if you have not watched any of Succession or the finale, go watch it right now and then come back and listen to this. All right. Consider yourself warned. So my prediction did not ring true and my hot take kind of rang true. So there we go. Tom Wamsgams is CEO of Waystar Royco. Matson took over, which I didn't think was going to happen, but Matson took over. And here we are. None of the siblings have the company. Granted, they all walk away as billionaires, but none of the siblings have the company. There's uh, one interesting note before we kick this thing off and we go into the review slash recap is there's a viral video. I think it started on TikTok going around with uh, anal- analysis of the names, particularly Tom's name, which his last name is Wamsgams, which is a certainly a standout name, right? It's a very particular name. And someone analyzed and said that it was a reference to Bill Wamsgams, who was a baseball player in, I believe, the 1920s, who did the only unassisted triple play in World Series history. <laughs> um, so on the biggest stage, he took out three batters to close out an inning. And that's basically kind of what he did with taking out three siblings to take over Waystar Royco. Whoa, mind-blowing. Yes, I don't know if that was the intention. I'm amazed that no one has asked Jesse Armstrong that question yet. Someone really needs to do that, if that was intentional or not. You know, Jesse Armstrong is a British man, so I would assume that he's into soccer, but maybe he likes baseball. And after all, this is his kind of interpretation of an American story as well. Um, So maybe, you know, dive in. If you're going to give a name, make it a reference to America's national pastime, right? Another name that was analyzed was Siobhan Roy, who her name in short is Shiv, in that she might shiv someone. And in the end, she kind of shivved Kendall. 
she betrayed Kendall. So I have no idea if that was intentional or not either, but gosh, whoever has access, I hope I get access to an interview with Jesse Armstrong. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but if I did, I would totally ask him those questions. Jesse, come on too much to watch, you know? (laughs) You maybe have some time on your hands now. I don't know if you have any scripts in the works. All right. Joking aside, those are fun little tidbits, but let's get be- let's get into it here. Let's take it away. All right. Succession, the series finale. With open eyes was the title of the episode. It was written by series creator Jesse Armstrong and directed by Mark Mylod. The episode was 88 minutes long, so kind of like a a short movie in the sense. And gut check on the episode I really liked it. I thought it was quite good. In fact, at many moments, great. I have some minor quibbles, but it's very hard to close out a series. It's really, really hard because, in fact, it's harder than a movie because you become so attached to a continuity of things, despite the fact that eventually it will end it's just in a movie, you're only spending two hours with these characters. And so I don't know, you're just more programmed to be able to accept an ending with a TV show. I think it's much more difficult. A miniseries is fine, but if a TV show you've become acquainted with characters over the years, it's just, it's such a tough needle to thread. And I thought that this show closed things out tonally in line with succession. It felt very succession, the finale. It, managed to meet somewhat of audience expectations if there can be that and audience satisfaction once logan passed away i don't know what are we even trying to land at this point one note that i saw that it was interesting is that this was always the planned ending it was just a matter of how much time it would take to get there so jesse armstrong actually was listening to an interview with him today and he said that Oh, you know, maybe for the fourth season, instead of like having Logan pass away, that could be in the fifth season. And then we'd have a whole season of (laughs) the kids controlling PGN and Logan controlling ATN. And it's kind of like rival networks and rival family members against each other. And that would be that's that would be a, a compelling season of TV. And I agree that would be. But he said that at that point they had already written out the fourth and final season for four months. And then someone put that idea in his head after those four months. And it's like, eh, we kind of already have this thing signed, sealed and delivered. So (laughs) man, but what could have been, we almost, we probably came slightly close to having a fourth and fifth season of succession, but it it just didn't happen, but that's okay. That's okay. Like I said, I would, I would spend so much more time with these people, but, uh, but I'm very satisfied with the way that they ended this show. So I really liked that the way this episode started off, it starts off kind of in a bit of a frenzy with Kendall scrambling along because he knows that time is not on his side right here. And you see that he's just really tense. And while he's shown some certain levels of competence with being able to deliver good speeches, and he seems to have some business acumen and knowledge when it comes to kind of like the street smarts, and everyone treating him seriously, that's where he struggles. And he also has his own interpersonal demons. But 
the the thing that's interesting about Kendall and what makes him such a tragic figure is that he has wrapped up his entire identity in being the new overlord of this family empire. And he almost thinks that like, I'm, I really do think that in his mind, he thinks I'm destined. This is mine and mine alone. And we will not be okay. Our family will not be okay unless I take this thing over. Not so not only am I entitled to it, but it's necessary for survival. <laughs> that is a, not only is that, uh, an intense cross to bear. That's a big weight on his shoulders, but that's, if that's his entire identity and he has nothing else, then what, gosh, if, if, if that doesn't happen, then what does he have to look forward to in life? And they really point that out. He's estranged from his family. Now he doesn't have his assistant. If that even is a sense of human connection and his relationship with his siblings and the rest of his family is tenuous at best. So that, that's, I think, why it makes all the more um, interesting to see Kendall in quite a bit of a scramble as we get things to go. And they're trying to line up votes to vote down the Gojo acquisition at an upcoming board meeting the next day. Meanwhile, we show another scene of the opposing team, Shiv and Matson, lining up and talking about how they're confident that they have the board votes. And we see two interesting things in this scene. We see... Matson asks Shiv about her husband, Tom, and saying, so like, what's the deal with him? Is he good? And he's like, yeah, he's just an empty suit. You know, he's whatever. She kind of sells him short, which is so, gosh, it's so strange. Um, that's always, gosh, it's always been a bit of a transactional relationship. Even in this moment where in the previous episode, she offered a bit of sweetness to him where she's like, you look so tired. You need to go back to my place and just, or our place and just sleep, get some rest. So that's one interesting thing. Number two, there's a phone call between them a little later where she says that, oh yeah, I need to go to the Caribbean for a family meetup. And she asks him, she extends a hand saying, so like, are you, so are you interested in continuing this? Like, you know, let's just start this thing for real. And it's almost as if none of this was real before it was all transactional. It was all just whatever. And Tom gives this honest, respectable answer where he's like, honestly, Shiv, I really don't know. And that it kind of sets up events to go in motion ahead of that. But again, we keep thinking that we're that it's going to be on the outs for them. And then we keep coming back to this relationship. So another thing from uh, the Kendall or the Shiv and Matson interaction is that there's like this cartoon in almost like a New Yorker like magazine, which shows a cartoon Shiv as like a puppet master for Matson controlling Matson from above. And she's like, are you bothered by that? And he's like, no, I think it's funny. And it clearly gets to Matson who himself, a tech mogul is an egomaniac and narcissist as well. And he wants to be the top dog, the top G uh, so to speak. And, um, and so maybe there will be something to bear from that going forward. Then Shiv gets a call from her mother and they have actually spoken in previous episodes about a meetup in the Caribbean. And sure enough, we do get one, one more vacation on HBO's dime. They, they, uh, get to shoot on location in Barbados. And it's just, I always love a, uh, 
an on location set piece in terms of succession. So uh, that's great. And they find out that Roman, they don't know where he is. And Roman wounded like a little puppy has gone back to his mother. He needs a parent in this time because he's grieving and he's lost and scared. And Kendall just completely shuts him down in the previous episode, telling him he effed it. He's against Shiv at this point. So there's nothing really there. And he's kind of on the outs with Mencken. So he goes to his mother, who is not really the most compassionate person in the world. In fact, in previous episodes, when Kendall and his demons that he bears and the fact that he's somewhat responsible for another person's death and wants to talk about it. And instead, she's just like, well, we'll just talk about it tomorrow morning. Can we just talk about it over an egg in a very British way? Uh, Yeah, so it's not the best. But then we get a re-meeting of all the siblings in the Caribbean. And it starts off very tense with Shiv and Roman already there and Kendall showing up saying like, come on, let's vote. And it just starts off so, 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 so tense. And one moment that I really loved from Caroline, who was like, yeah, there's a, we can't stick around for, uh, for um, anything here. You know, we, uh, we have a board meeting tomorrow. And she's like, oh, a board meeting. Like, I haven't heard that before. I thought that that was quite funny. So the siblings are all kind of hashing it out and there's tension in Barbados. Meanwhile, we cut back to a dinner between Matson and Tom. And this is this is a key scene and a delicious scene right here with Matson first kind of asking Tom to sell himself. And he's like, I can sing for my supper. Gosh, the dialogue is really freaking good here, by the way. And Tom just says, like many people who work in high-profile corporate jobs, you know, I... I'm willing to absorb pain, but I worry. I worry constantly. I go to sleep worrying about both my physical and mental well-being, <laughs> which is like, oh, I can relate to that. Following that, then Matson kind of drops a little bit of a bomb here saying like, yeah, I feel like, you know, between me and Shiv, there's something going on and I feel like maybe I want to sleep with her and she wants to sleep with me. So this is a stunning moment because I think that Matson is doing a combination of things. I think he actually does think this way. It was a little bit flirtatious with them. And I think that was Shiv just trying to get the upper hand on Matson. But also, I think that this is kind of him testing Tom out in real time, seeing if he reacts poorly or like he's just going to take it and how much he can be a puppet to Matson. And Tom, sure enough, as the <laughs> pain sponge that he is, brushes it off and says, yeah, I mean, we're men. I don't, I don't mind you saying that. And that's where Matson says, yeah, I feel like why can't uh, it be instead of Shiv, who I just don't think that, you know, with that stuff going on between us, that she could be the CEO. Maybe it should be the man that put a baby in her. And he says it that in the most bizarre and succession-like way. It's, it's really kind of effed up. Uh, and, you know, my jaw dropped at this moment. Not to say that I wasn't expecting that maybe Tom could rise up, but I thought that, you know, gosh, conventional wisdom just suggested to me that it was going to be one of the siblings who would be estranged at the end and no one would win. And it's kind of setting up the same idea, but it's just not one of the siblings. And Tom leaps upon it right away. 
ever the opportunist that he is, this guy has been kind of playing a game and been subservient to an extent. And he has managed to make that work out well for him. Uh, that leads to a celebration of shots at this whatever hotel bar that they're at. <laughs> and Greg, savvy-ass Greg, manages to pull out his translation app and listen in and eavesdrop on these guys, Oscar and Manson, that are speaking Swedish to each other and manages to pick up that it's not going to be Shiv and it's going to be someone else. And sure enough, then Greg's like, oh, I'm going to use this to my advantage. And I guess he's still kind of in the cahoots with Kendall and gives it to Kendall, but really does not do a good job of getting leverage for himself. (laughs) But sure enough, that kind of sets up what we have in terms of the set piece in Barbados, where while listening to Peter Munyon's pitch about whatever... I don't even know what he's going to talk about. I, I wish we could have heard more about it. I, obviously, that didn't serve the plot, but I still wish we could have heard more about it. So he, he breaks the news to Shiv. Obviously, she's in disbelief at first, but then she seems to be completely and utterly outraged by it. And then all of a sudden, we jump right back into the fact that they're going to team up again and try to take down Matson. This is where I fully enjoyed that. That's fine. Because I knew it wasn't, you know, something's going to happen. 88 minutes is too long to just kind of have the broad strokes go on a straight line here. There's going to be some hiccups along the way. And this is one of the first major hiccups of the episode. And we then get a scene where they call some kind of lawyer or advisor or something who says that, yeah, like, people aren't fans of you, so you're going to have to really do something to make it work. And... Then we get a scene where they kind of debate back and forth. Oh, well, who's going to be on top? Well, I feel like it should be me. Well, actually, I feel like it should be me. I enjoyed this scene, but I will say it's like what I was thinking when when this was happening. I was like, wow, I've seen this scene like five times already. They're really going to debate this again and again and again. This is like an unstoppable force and a movable object. And another unstoppable force slash immovable object. Just in infinite disagreement with each other. And they never will come to a disagreement. And maybe the reason why they put this scene in, despite the fact that I found it a little bit redundant, is just to kind of hammer home that idea. And it's effective in that sense. But it was that was one quibble or frustration that I had with this episode. So then we get these arguments and we do get one key scene where everyone kind of uses his upper hand where Roman said like, oh, dad said it was going to be me or maybe it should be me. But then Kendall shares this very personal thing where Logan talked to him in a candy shop when he was seven and told him it's going to be you. You're going to grow up one day to basically be me and take over the keys to the empire. And For whatever reason, with this broken upbringing that Kendall had, and he, that stuck with him. And that's always been a part of his identity every day. And now he is in his 40s, and it's still a part of his identity. And he has not let go of that. Even though he's aware that his father shouldn't have said that to him, he still will not let go of that. And it's almost a delusion 
to an extent. It's a delusion of grandeur, in the words of Han Solo. Despite the fact that he admits that, he makes a compelling enough case to the point where then Shiv and Roman, talking amongst themselves and giving imitations of (laughs) Kendall, decide, ah, whatever. If we really want this and we want to survive, then... I guess we have to give it to him. So begrudgingly, they swim over to him and jokingly talk about how they're going to kill him, but then say, okay, we anoint you. And you actually see, I think, a moment of actual happiness for the very sullen, morose character that is Kendall Roy, who is a figure of perpetual misery and just looks perpetually and infinitely miserable all the time. And he breaks a smile and it's so weird, but he does. And that leads into, I think, one final moment of sweetness where they all run into the kitchen and engage, I guess, in this tradition as siblings that they've always had where they take every single freaking thing in the entire kitchen and make a smoothie out of it and then force someone to drink this smoothie. <laughs> it is, uh, I can't, I can say that I've, I've never engaged in anything like that, but I... It was entertaining, to say the least. <clears throat> you know, Jesse Armstrong talked on the inside the episode about this scene, and he's like, you know, while these maybe have people that have a lot of awful traits to them, there still is a humanity to them, and I just wanted to get that across with this scene. And they did, and uh, I, I, it was very fascinating. It's I, Also fascinating was the fact that this is an amazing kitchen, and there's really hardly ever food in it. And I saw some interesting tweets where people are like, oh, I've run into rich people like this all the time who have this ridiculous kitchens and there's never any food in there. And the only thing in there was Peter Munyon's cheese that he was very protective of, which Kieran Culkin just did a number on with his tongue and like basically assaulted the cheese. That was, that was, uh, that was a pretty funny scene. And then they force, so to speak, Kendall to drink this smoothie as part of the anointing process and apparently he actually drank it and like drank it multiple times and would like wretch it out outside and they dumped it on his head multiple times too and he would go clean himself off in the ocean and then dry off because guess what in productions especially like this they typically film scenes multiple times so that's the kind of how they got around that that is so fascinating that jeremy strong did that that is true commitment to method acting if you're drinking this concoction of like bread and mustard and I don't know, what is it, like frozen pickles and ugh, gross stuff. I'm sure it tasted absolutely awful. But we get one more scene between the chaos of them and then the mother's like, eh, whatever. And it looks like all is going to be well, at least from a sense of these people coming back together. And maybe we're going to have a glimmer of hope here. But this is succession, and it is a very bleak show, so I think we have to see. All right. I'm going to take just a slight little break here. I will be back in, like, a couple seconds. I'll see you on the other side. So, after this nice coming together in Barbados, all of the siblings fly back to New York City. (laughs) They seem to take separate cars out of the private jet that they were on, the PJ. Not really sure why they had to do that. Maybe it's just a flex of wealth. But then they go back to Logan's mansion in Manhattan. 
And this is the mansion now that Connor and Willa own. And we can see there's still a lot of stuff going on here. And Connor is, I guess he's still maybe tight for money, is selling off a lot of stuff in this house uh, and maybe making some good coin on it. But I'm just glad that we got a little bit more Connor, not quite a send off. I don't know how much you could do to send off people in this show. I don't think it's that kind of show but at least give a nod or some more attention to some of the characters. And Connor, I think, is really one of the better char- characters in Succession. I, first of all, I just love Alan Ruck because I hate it every time he gets asked about Ferris Bueller's Day Off because he's been asked about that probably for the last, like, 30 years of his life. That being said... um, I'm just so happy that he's found this role. This is probably one of the biggest things he's done since Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Even though he's worked a ton, he has worked a ton. I, it's just a role that he's going to be really well known for. So shout out to Alan Ruck. Very happy for him. And so after seeing all of the memorabilia that he's sending, and then they're talking about potentially... Um, a long distance relationship situation with him and Willa, as he will potentially be the new ambassador to Slovenia under the Jared Menken administration. Uh, Shiv says that gives us a little factoid that, Oh, it's still in contention. The election is still being contended in Milwaukee or Wisconsin, and it's still in the courts. So maybe Menken won't be president. Ah, <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess we're rooting for certain things to happen in the fictional universe of succession, but hey, it's giving us a little bit of relief, I guess. Then we get a really interesting and unexpected scene where he has on video of Logan Roy at this dinner with other associates like, for instance, Connor and Frank and Carl and Jerry. They're all there. And it's this really interesting moment where the kids get to wonder in the younger siblings like Kendall, Shiv and Roman, and they get to witness maybe a side of their father that they had not seen before because they have this interesting relationship with their father where there's always an element of fear there with him and uncertainty. And they're seeing this scene where he seems to be really enjoying himself listing the losers of presidential elections in reverse order, which is very funny. And then he lets Alan uh, Connor roast him a little bit. He lets Connor imitate him and make fun of him, which was, I think that that's unheard of. We would have thought that he would have been pissed at that. And then we get some other jokes dropped by uh, Frank and Jerry. And then Carl bursts out into song and Carl's got a set of pipes on him, by the way. And then it's this really nice moment on video where they're all together singing and we see the siblings watch it and they all look very emotional. In fact, Roman looks like he's a mess and on the verge of tears and Kendall has tears streaming down his face. Another relatively sweet or bittersweet moment, shall I say, for the send off of the show, it's as send offy as can be for a final episode of Succession. And it was a very clever, whoever wrote that, that was really, really a clever idea and a clever way to bring back Logan one more time. In fact, 
uh, I believe Brian Cox had teased, what if I come back from the dead? It might happen in the final episode of Succession. And uh, I guess in a way he did. And maybe that's what he was alluding to. <laughs> so that's one last nice moment until we get one more tidbit in the mansion where Tom and Shiv start to talk and... Tom's like, so are you still going against Matt? Uh, are you still on board with Matt's in here? And she's like, no, that's off. We're all going against him now because he's going to anoint someone else as CEO. And then Tom, for whatever reason, this this really surprised me because I thought Tom would have played it. And maybe I don't know why he says it. Maybe it's just does he have a want to have a moment with her that he can just say like, oh, it's me. And it's like, ha, ha, ha. And like kind of almost have a certain level of superiority to Shiv just because he comes from a much different socioeconomic background than Shiv, who comes from a upbringing and background that most human beings never experience. And it was just the way that's kind of how I read it. How I read it is that Tom just wanted to feel this moment of, particularly as Shiv, who's a person who kind of cuts him down and ignores him all the time and is not interested in meeting or spending time with Tom's family, and it's all about Shiv, Tom can just have this moment because he's felt awful and he's felt cut down to size by Shiv, and that's maybe the reason why he admits, well, actually, it's going to be me. And Sarah Snook, to her credit, gives this amazing performance saying, oh, you mother effer, and just immediately transitions into business mode and then we get a lot of the shots that we saw in the trailer for this episode with her intensely walking down hallways and she immediately says the sibs that it's tom it's tom and then everyone snaps into gear and we get things kicked in one other really great interaction that we had in the house is greg happens to be there and then because Tom knows that someone tipped it off and he knows that it is Greg and Tom confronts Greg in the bathroom. And it's this really interesting moment because I think Tom, who has always had a soft spot for Greg, even in the first episode, he's like, I got you. Don't worry about it. Cause he's like, you and me were cut from the same deck. We're not part of this world originally. So we have to look out for each other in a way. And he's kind of been a mentor slash almost like an older brother to Greg. And uh, I appreciated that. Uh, but then he felt so betrayed by him and slaps him. And then Greg, instead of just getting upset, because Tom has got upset at Greg. If you remember in the episode Safe Room, he throws bottles at Greg. And Greg is just like walking to the other side of the room, scared. This time, Greg slaps back. And he's like, no, man, I'm going to get me in mine. And they have a quick slap fight. It's kind of funny, but also kind of, there's almost, I read a sadness to it to an extent, just because, I don't know, I love these two guys so much. Even though, again, I want to be clear, they're all awful people. I just love watching them, okay? I love watching them. I don't look up to these characters, I promise. Uh, that was one more interesting moment to take away from uh, the mansion there. So then we finally get to the Waystar Royco office. And a couple things happen. We get Roman back in the office since he had this emotional breakdown. Uh, and he was kind of embarrassed about it at his father's funeral. And it was like going viral and stuff like that. And he sees Jerry who he has had this bizarre relationship with and almost kind of semi proposed to her at one point. 
and he gets a glimpse of Jerry and just says, I don't want to be around her. I, I don't think I could go in. Um, and that's one thing that sets off the chaos. Then we get a scene where they're all the sibs are in their father's office. And one thing to notice here, and I don't know if I noticed it the first time, is that we get Kendall sitting down in his father's desk, at his father's desk, and there's a quick little cutaway to Shiv's face, and you see her face, and she just has this this kind of blank look on her face. And I just think that that's a key cutaway, and I did not notice it at first, but I think that it is the tell for something that happens. It's the setup or the tipping of the pitch, so to speak, for something that happens later. And then there's particularly another thing that happens is we get Stewie, who is another character that's great. They're kind of just like shooting the breeze with Kendall and he's engaging in kind of this profane guy talk. (laughs) And I think that that also irks Shiv as well. Uh, Shiv walks out as does Stewie. And then we get a very, very, I found it to be almost strange uh, moment where then Roman realizes, I guess this is actually happening. This is actually happening. The company is going to be taken over by Kendall, even though I thought it could have been me, I guess. And he has this weird emotional breakdown to, to it. And Kendall kind of almost in a patronizing way says it could have been you dude. It could have been you. And Roman just can't seem to bear it. At the, at the end of the day, this guy has seen nothing but power in his life, and that just affects the psyche, I think. Most people have lived in fear of him. The only people that haven't are his siblings. And, and again, it's another pretty good setup for the, on, for the coming confrontation. And this is, I think, the moment where Roman, who was already kind of checked out from this stuff, has one last little grip on this battle for succession. And then says like, all right, fine, but this is going to be really hard for me to take. And if this does happen, I need to kind of look pathetic. Uh, And because he has the facial stitches from getting roughed up in the protest at the end of the former episode. And he wonders if like he needs to look even worse. And then Kendall gives him this hug with enough pressure to burst open his facial stitches and cause a little bit more blood. And I was like, another thing that was so interesting is you could see like the amount of pressure, you could see veins popping in Roman's forehead. And it was just like, this is, this is the most intense uh, agreement between this. And I don't know, maybe this interaction needs to happen for Roman to truly, truly, truly just give up power and say like, fine, I guess, I guess it could be you. And this is the, I get this bizarre interaction needed to happen for him to work past all of his emotional trauma and all of his narcissism. So then we get into the board meeting and Roman gives this, or I'm sorry. Then we get to the board meeting and Kendall gives a really kind of one note awful explanation as to why it's a bad deal and just says like, yeah, it's a bad deal. We don't need this. And you'll have to fire me if you think it's a, you know, if you want to stick with this, you have to get rid of me. And then he says, we don't even need to call for a boardroom vote. Like why even do this? And of course, Frank who can control the motions of the board 
calls for a vote. Then we get all of the votes, and we get some yeses, we get some noes. One last scene from Ewan, which I really, really liked, and he says it in almost like this old English way where he says, nay. (laughs) We get Stewie saying, Team Kendall, baby. Uh, We get Roman, who just very quickly and just kind of whatever begrudgingly says, no, no. And Shiv gives a look to that. You see her the whole time just giving these very strange looks uh, at Kendall. And the direction of the camera for Mark Mylod is doing that for a reason. It's trying to send the audience a message, subtle messaging, that there's something going on here. And right away, she does not say no on the deal. and. Kendall's asking for it, and then she just is like, I'm sorry. Great acting by Sarah Snook, who just walks out, and she looks uh, kind of upset and confused and anxious, I guess is the right word, to the point where she walks to a adjacent con- uh, conference room on the other side of the floor. Kendall and Roman follow her in, and this is the climax of succession right here. This is the This is what it has all been building to. This is the most truthful and honest moment possibly between these siblings. So now we have this final confrontation and this is everything. This is, I think, an acting masterclass. And if there's an Emmy reel for... Jeremy Strong, and perhaps Sarah Snook. I think that this is it. The interaction between the two of them. Roman is in there as well, but his Emmy reel probably comes from the previous episode. Uh, We have this deliberation and this escalating deliberation where Kendall now is pleading with Shiv and pleading with Shiv. And Shiv, for whatever reason, just says, I don't think that you'd be good at it. And... This is one of the other quibbles I guess I had with the episode is that as this was happening, as Shiv walked out of the room, I'm wondering to myself, why is Shiv doing this? And I've heard many other uh, pundits and uh, some other anyone else who's analyzed this kind of wondering the same thing. I do think that they offer some tells there that she is never quite comfortable with anointing Kendall in that. There is a mixture of resentment and her own ego uh, ego to deal with. And also just the fact that she thinks that this guy may not be good at it. He has some levels of competency and he has some experience, but he also has some demons and it, pro- it might not work out in her best interest. Like at the end of the day, she is a shareholder and her money is only... Ha- as good as the how the shares of the company are doing, how her shares in investment in Waystar Royco is doing. So I think it was a mixture of things, but she was very honest with him where I guess she really does say, well, I, I don't think that you'd be good at it. And then it just keeps escalating and escalating until the point where he says, for F's sake, Shiv, what are you doing? And a very, very good direction choice from Mark Mylod to kind of cut away and show just how loud this confrontation between the Sibs is. It's getting really loud, and that's probably influencing everyone else's opinion. This is no longer just isolated in this conference room. This is a confrontation that's taking up the entire floor. 
<laughs> so um, really, really good. And to the point where then we get her to say, you can't be the CEO because you killed someone. And this is interesting. I, you know, you figure that would come up eventually and realistically if he was the CEO that might've been dug up on him. I'm not really quite sure. He was, I don't know if intentionally killed the person, but also really was responsible for this person's death in the first season and did just an egregious, was involved in an egregious cover up of this whole thing. And, you know, the no real person involved, which is maybe the one of the ugliest aspects of this whole Roy dynasty is the fact that they think that there's aspects of people that are just not a real person because they're not important and don't have wealth or power. <laughs> and that's the ultimate demon and the ultimate sin of Kendall Roy. And he brings that up. And then Kendall Roy, in a moment of true desperation, it almost reminded me of like a Walter White-like move, says like, no, 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 I just made that up. I was just trying to bond us together uh, to say that. And that's like exactly something that Walter White would do, I think, in that he would just lie. So now Kendall Roy is kind of almost taking up the not just the anti-hero. He was always possibly had a little bit of an anti-hero angle to him, but now he's just flat out a monster in this scene. I mean, they're all monsters, but he is the monster of monsters here. And he brings that up. And then that activates Roman by saying like, wait, you made that up? What the, what the hell, dude? What is going on? What, was that just a play? And now Roman is not on Kendall's side at all either, even though he was previously to the point where they're both not on him. And then uh, now Kendall is saying, you have to vote for me. You have to. It doesn't even make any sense. And even Roman is like, absolutely not. This is not happening. And that brings out this final very memorable line, maybe the most memorable line from the episode and one of the most memorable lines from Succession where he says, I am the eldest boy. I am the eldest boy. And I, the, the reaction from Shiv is excellent and just was so tonally consistent with Succession where she kind of cracks up laughing at the absurdity of this line. But I think that there was an element of seriousness for Kendall in that point. And uh, this is his, the identity. This is everything about his identity and being wrapped up and pleading for survival at this point really a key moment and excellent acting by Jeremy strong. We, we wanted to see him kind of go full intensity and this is it. This is him going, uh, you know, him flooring it in terms of his performance, essentially, and turning it up to 11. There's even like a little bit of spit coming out of his mouth. It was, uh, yeah, it's quite something to watch. This is a clip that I have watched on YouTube. Uh, I probably shouldn't say that. Gosh, um, there's probably, I don't know copyright issues there but <laughs> i've watched this clip on youtube multiple times i've watched this clip actually on repeat on hbo on max it's now max multiple times so yeah um <sighs> yeah a lot to come from then we get this great cutaway where shiv is just runs out of the room or actually wait i had to go back a little bit because then it brings up uh the whole idea of purity of the bloodline, which is kind of an ugly moment. And now Roman's bringing out this ugly stuff where he's attacking Kendall's kids where we didn't even know this before that Kendall's kids, one of them is adopted 
and uh, the other one was born via surrogacy. And so therefore, obviously, that's not true. But in Logan Roy and this twisted version of the Roy family's view, it's now uh, less pure of a bloodline. And that really activates Kendall. And now it's just the confrontation gets physical where Kendall grabs Roman's skull and is like, I thought he was going to gouge his eyes out or something. I, I had no idea what was going to happen here. It's just so, it was quite ugly, this confrontation, the way it escalated. And Shiv just runs out of the room and gives her yes vote, changes her vote. And the fight breaks up between Roman and Kendall. And then we get this amazing moment. And by the way, this moment was entirely improvised where Mark Mylod yells to Jeremy Strong, run back into the, or walk back into the conference room. And they fall behind him. His hair is all disheveled. And we get this one last walk of, in almost like a third-person perspective, this walk of shame. And it was it was so effective. And the camera crew had the intuition to follow behind Jeremy Strong. And he walks back in. And that line from Frank, after Roman says, I think we should call a recess, that line from Frank is saying, you don't have it. You don't have the votes, was entirely improvised a little tidbit from an interview I listened to with Mark Mylod and the fact that that whole final, that's almost like a minute or two of scenery right there is that's extraordinary. That's extraordinary. But most other stuff was pretty tightly scripted, despite the fact that it feels so impromptu, it was tightly scripted. Uh, Kendall walks away in shame. He goes down in the elevator. I thought at this point, I was like, is this guy going to walk into oncoming traffic? Like, what's going to happen here? That's my TV brain thinking someone's got to die. I don't think it would be consistent with the show. And now we have all the falling actions of the show and it's coming to a close. Um, and I have to give the credit here finally, because the music from Nicholas Bertel really picks up and delivers consistent with the succession theme, but it, kind of is a bit of a crescendo to a point and it was it was just excellent it kind of gave me chills and we get three lasting images now tom is anointed a ceo and him and shiv hop into a car together and it's this very dark image almost many people have compared this to the graduate uh at the end of the graduate where they're riding away um, and that there, there is kind of a similarity there, but it's so much darker. There's a bit of a shadow across Tom's face and Shiv says congratulations to him. And he's like, oh, no, it's this weird moment. But, it, you know, Jesse Armstrong mentioned that this is actually a moment of equality because now Tom is kind of on the same level as Shiv. Shiv is a billionaire with the money she'll get from the sale. But Tom is now the CEO of a of a massive global company. And that's there's something to be said there. He's a salary man still, uh, but you know he'll probably get he'll probably get his big payday soon. So, uh, Tom Wamsgams, <laughs> and I guess the other takeaway from this scene is the fact that he extends his hand and she just kind of rests her hand on top of his and never actually grasps it. And that's their that's the purgatory of their relationship in a nutshell. It's always you know, kind of semi there, but there's always an ugly transactional element to it. And they're stuck to be this way for maybe a while. I don't know, maybe eventually they'll grasp hands, but, but not today. We get Roman uh, in a bar. And I think this is for me, this is like maybe a slightly hopeful ending for Roman. 
we see him order a martini or a martini like beverage at this bar and he cracks just a little bit of a smile. And it's like, I read this scene as Roman is relieved. He's free of this. He's free of this squabbling and politicking and backstabbing and all of this stuff. And guess what? He gets just, just be a billionaire in life and uh, enjoy life. You know, being a playboy in New York, that was uh, in an interview, Jesse Armstrong even said that, like, it's, you know, Roman never really fully embraced his identity as a billionaire playboy. And uh, maybe he'll get to do that now when he cracks that slight smile when he's about to enjoy that martini. Good for you, Roman. Finally, we get the third lasting image from this finale, and that is Kendall walking through Battery Park in Lower Manhattan followed by his security detail, Colin. And he has the most morose and glum look on his face that a human could possibly have. And this man is broken. He was already a fractured character. He has now been shattered into 5,000 pieces. And it's a fitting ending. It reminded me a little bit of The Godfather, where it ends like Corleone on a park bench. It's somewhat similar to that, um, but the music really crescendos here and it gives us this lasting image and it shows him looking out upon the water a little bit, but it very noticeably it cuts away to the side, which shows the security detail on him instead where he's sitting on the bench. It does not show the water. So it kind of shows that I, I, I think the symbolism for that was that it didn't want to show greener pastures or hope at the end. It's like, no, 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 no. This is something that's going to impact the rest of this guy's life. And it's going to give him, you know, a cloud above his head, a dark cloud above his head for a very long time, if not the rest of his life. And it was really a fantastic closing shot. It's very, very hard to get the tone. We have a montage of sorts. A montage is a, often a way to close a TV series. And... This is kind of just a montage somewhat for the siblings at the end. And it began with Kendall and it ends with Kendall. And it kind of mirrors uh, Logan walking to the park. There was a scene, I believe, in the first or second season with Logan walking to the park, followed by Colin. Now Kendall is doing that. But the difference is he's not on top. He never built his own pile. He tried to assume the throne and it didn't work out for him. And that's what ultimately this show was about. It was never about, even though it's called succession, it was never about who's going to succeed because there are elements of top heavy capitalism in society of broken nepotism and incompetent people that are falling into jobs that should not necessarily be there maybe. And what if, the narcissism that comes along with being bored into this situation just completely undermines you to the point where you completely lose control of a company that your father built. And that is the case that happened here. All of these children are cursed and broken. And the only way to be free of this curse is to pull the plug completely. And maybe that's a good thing for all of these kids in the end. I mean, Shiv kind of is still plucked in very much to an extent. And maybe that's why her ending shot was so ominous. The only person maybe that's truly free for at least for a while is Roman. He's going to be a little bit broken, but 
At least he'll get to enjoy himself. I don't even know what's going to happen to Kendall. I mean, I, again, I thought he was going to be suicidal at the end of this, and I don't know. Maybe he will be. At least they won't show us that. Interesting little note from Jeremy Strong, who mentioned that in another take, he actually was getting ready to act to jump into the water, and he was stopped by uh, Jesse Armstrong. I believe the shot was intended for Colin to grab him before he would leap over the balcony and pull him back, and then that would kind of be the ending shot. I think that they'd made a better decision here for him not to jump over because tonally it just would have been a little chaotic for the ending and they wanted the ending to feel more pensive, but also dramatic. Good decision there. And that's the end of succession. That's the end of everything at the end. Who won? The answer is no one. Well, at least no one that you might think. And so my Kendall prediction is blown to smithereens and the hot take kind of somewhat of Tom or Greg is rings true. It rings true. I had chills once the credits started rolling, not to be too cheesy here, but I did kind of have chills and uh, I thought it was a great finale. There were some moments of question, two moments that I gave quibbles with and the Shiv moment is a tough one because maybe they didn't give enough of a tell of her uncertainty. Uh, And maybe that bears repeat viewing, but As far as nailing a finale, which is a really hard thing to do, I felt pretty good about it right off the bat. And that's ultimately a good thing. There's there's very few and far between shows that I feel that great about. And maybe maybe the last show I can think of that I watched that way was Breaking Bad or Mad Men. So congratulations uh, on Succession. I'm... I'm so happy that this show exists. I will definitely be rewatching it and rewatching many scenes from it from years to come. Um, I look forward to what Jesse Armstrong, whatever he does next. Although he did say on the inside the episodes, he's like, I don't think that I'm going to ever make anything quite as good at this. And I was like, Jesse, gosh, stop selling yourself short. You're in like, you know, roadshow mode. You're going to have everyone knocking on your door, every streaming service and studio knocking on your door, asking you what you have in mind next. So (laughs) um, please, for the sake of TV and movies, and maybe you'll make a movie. I don't know. Don't sell yourself short. I think you could make something extraordinary after this. After all, Vince Gilligan made Better Call Saul after this, and that was great. So here's hoping for Jesse Armstrong. All right, that is it for today's Succession Series Finale, Megapod. Thank you so much for listening. We gave it our all here to cover this final episode, and it was a special show, so it had a... It was a special show. It deserved a special episode. And that closes the book on Succession. On the next episode, we'll be diving into the series finale of Barry, as promised. And there's more movies to cover. There's more to come in terms of movies. I think the new Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse looks good. There's a new Wes Anderson movie coming out. uh, And some new TV shows debuting as well. So I'll be getting into all of that. That's all for now, though. 
I'm Sam Pard, and this has been Too Much to Watch.